ladies and gentlemen, Ghost Nobody here, ready to bring you Chapter 3 of the Chronicles of Clan Mason. As always, with these, they're individuals. So there are no questions, there are no things, just answers. Individual little tales, each telling the appearing of a pair of clan members as they went through the, the whole thing of becoming the clan mason that we all know and love. And as always, I do hope you'll like, share and subscribe to this wherever you can. And leave feedback for me in places like fanfiction.net, archiveofourown.org or even at my own website, ghostnobody.com. All your comments and thoughts are always well appreciated. And if you do visit ghostnobody.com, check out Stormrider while you're there. If dragon girls, orcs and elves and whole fantasy realms take place on multiple planets are your thing, of course. And as always, if you can pop over to the ghostly link section, check out Mortis. Pick yourself up a copy from either Amazon or from Smashwords and help support me. Keep me doing what I love. Bring in most unlikely alien romance stories to you good people. So, without any further ado, let's get on with the show, shall we? Oh, but first the usual legal disclaimer. This is AVP after all and I don't own any of it. That's to do with their own studios. I just keep all the huntresses to myself. Let's get on with the show. Chapter 3. Healing the Soul Wow, look at this place. It's utterly incredible. Miller said as he walked down the ramp, looking around the world that Jack and his Yujuta wife, Tick, had brought them to. It was like a complete unspoiled paradise. Huge forests like the great redwood forests of Earth, but with trees that dwarfed them, reaching into the skyline like living skyscrapers. Huge rolling plains filled with herds of weird and wonderful creatures all grazing peacefully. Huge snow-capped mountain ranges surrounded by rolling clouds. Huge oceans that would be filled with fish and aquatic life of variety. In fact, life just bloomed everywhere you could see. It was a true Garden of Eden, and Jack and Tick had invited them to come and enjoy it with them. To be part of this Yejuta ideal that Jack seemed to have adopted, forming a clan, which seemed to be like some sort of giant extended family, but with a kind of militaristic set of values. He wasn't sure that he truly understood it, but it seemed to be a good thing either way. Everybody helping and supporting and fighting for one another. Seemed like a good place to be, really. This was the view that he upheld their world and helped their world take shape very quickly. Humans and Jujuta going hunting together and learning to understand one another and understand each other's methods and working to feed the people. Humans also showing Yujuta their advances in farming, to vary everyone's diet. In fact, he simply couldn't believe how incredibly different these Yujuta were to the ones they referred to as bad bloods. And then there were the xenomorphs. And this truly and utterly unbelievable bit that he really couldn't believe was how kind and caring they all were. Although receiving a dose of royal jelly allowed them to understand them, where she thought was kind of disgusting at first, but then when he had his first conversation with a huge queen, which every fibre of his being told him he should be totally terrified of, he found her to be utterly intelligent and charming. He actually walked away from the conversation, seeing exactly why Cortez had fallen head over heels for her. She was just so kind and caring. And not just for their kind either, for everyone around her. She talked about wanting her hive to be a place of care and healing that would look after and take care of everyone equally. And then there was the queen that was going out with Yoshi. If it wasn't for her, they wouldn't have the housing that they now had. In fact, as he looked around this beautiful little home which reminded him of his little cabin back in Alaska, which he used to love spending his downtime in, just getting away from the, hum the humdrum of humanity as a whole. Well, now he couldn't get further from humanity as a whole now, could he? He was currently sat at his small dining table looking out of the window, made of this incredible glass that Jack made in his forge at the back of his house. He made this incredible glass that could stop bullets, but was so completely clear that you could be forgiven for believing that it wasn't really there. Plus, it was also great at keeping the heat in too. There was also this great bean that grew at the edges of the jungle territory, which made earth coffee look like water, 
and given that Miller loved his coffee strong, he was in heaven. So as he blew on a steaming cuff at the Black Java, which was also something humans had introduced the Yajuta and the Xenos to. Plus, to be fair, watching Yajuta and Xenos on a caffeine rush was actually pretty funny. Though he bet Yoshi didn't really agree. He didn't even want to imagine what being stuck in a giant house full of predominantly full of girls zapped off their tits or mega coffee running around up the walls literally screeching was like. There was a knock on the door. Suddenly, and by the power of the impact on the heavy wood, he knew it was a Yajuta knocking mainly because it sounded like they were trying to punch through the door rather than knock on it. They didn't seem to be really aware of their own strength at times. A point he saw when he opened the... He saw Yajuta girls getting all huggy with their human male, and when they put them down they looked like they'd been through a wrestling match. But then the vast majority of Yajuta females were nine foot tall and over three to four hundred pounds of solid muscle, which was an interesting point. He'd never actually seen a fat Yajuta. They all seemed to look like Mr. or Miss Rip-to-fuck bodybuilder poster. Come in, it's open, Miller called, turning in his chair to look at the door as it swung open. There was a blast of cold air, and even some of the snow that was falling outside currently swirled in and dusted his wax-polished floor with white flakes. A huge figure ducked under the door, dressed in a hooded cloak, holding what looked like a large covered ceramic pot. They stomped their feet outside before stepping in properly, shrugging off the snow, now covering their shoulders and creating a pile big enough to make a snowman in the front door stoop. As the figure stepped inside, the heavy boots they were wearing clumped heavily on the wooden floor. The figure closed the door behind them and then turned and dropped their hood to reveal the face that he knew well, and he once essentially sworn his hated enemy. But thanks to the effort of Jack Mason had been revealed to be an innocent victim of the same thing that essentially landed, or in, if not worse, position than the humans that had been trapped on that world. Hatchak smiled up at him, drawing her mandibles up into a genuine and warm smile. Hey, Hatchak, how are you doing today? he said with a wry smile. I'm doing well, Miller, thank you for asking, the massive but incredibly shy and quite to female said. Then she seemed to remember the large pot she was holding. I made you a pie. Last time we went to group dinner at Jack and Tick's house, you really seemed to enjoy the pot pie that I made, so I thought I'd make you one of your own, she said, holding it out to him with a hopeful look on her face. Millipa's eyebrows went up. You made this wonderful meat pie? He asked, sounding surprised, and she nodded. Jack Mason has been teaching me how to cook woman dishes. That's the first time I made one for everyone, though. I was so nervous I nearly pulled it, but Tick noticed and made sure it got put out first so I didn't have a chance. Hatchak said, and Miller laughed and nodded. Yeah, that sounds like Tick, all right. When she has her mind made up, you're screwed. But I'm glad she did it, because that pie was fucking amazing, he said, and Jack's brow went up in surprise and she appeared to be blushing. She made an adorable clicking, purring noise which immediately stopped and blushed even deeper. Miller smiled at her. If you'd have said to him six months ago that a Yajuta could have been adorable, he'd have laughed at you and stripped you of anything sharp and pointy and locked you in the finest rubber room with a finest tailored backwards jacket. But now, here was this gentle Yajuta doing just that. Placing the pie on the table, Miller jumped up and pulled out a chair for her jack before she could protest and make her excuse. He took the notoriously shy woman's snow-wet cloak and hung it up to dry off near his hearth, which had a nice roaring fire currently set going in it. She stood there wringing her hands for a moment before he poured her a cup of hot coffee from the pot and handed it to her. Here, sit down, warm yourself up. I know you guys really don't do cold all that well, do you? He said, gently guiding the massive female into the seat next to his at the table. He'd purposely made sure that all the seats in his home were Yajuta-sized. he got quite a few Yajuta to guests these days, especially since Jack had started speaking about setting up the Guardian Corps thing as a way to protect their homes and a way of the life, which to him made a lot of sense. Thank you, Miller, she said, settling a large frame into the chair with a steaming cup of coffee. It was always interesting watching one of their kind using human-style cups, because they weren't designed for their mouths properly. 
so they tended to grab the cup in their mandibles and tip the whole cup backwards, looking like they were trying to swallow the whole thing. The hot coffee seemed to perk her right up, and when she was drink done drinking, he opened the pot and inside was the fluffiest pot pie he'd ever seen. Oh, wow, it's going to take me a fair bit to get through all this, but damn, I'm going to try. Mella chuckled, taking a slice of meat pie and tucking in while her jack sat happily watching him. The pie was truly delicious. The meat was melting in his mouth. He didn't know how the hell she got it to taste so succulent, or to get the pastry so fluffy. But she was an amazing pie chef, that was true. So, how are you settling into your new place, a jack? Miller asked through a mouthful of pie. A jack had recently moved into a new place of her own after living on the ship all this time. She'd been nervous at first, but Miller had helped not only to move her in, but had made the furniture for her too. He had quite a talent for carpentry, one that had been in rather high demand as of late. It's nice, peaceful. I like it. Though it does get some lone, kind of lonely sometimes, she said thoughtfully. A chack was definitely not like any other Yujutu he'd ever met. She'd gone from being the leader of the biggest, baddest, bad blood nightmare assassin clan, whatever that last one was. But Jack insisted they were as dangerous as hell, and that was good enough to, for him. To shy, quiet, jumps at her own shadow, her Jack, who apparently likes to bake pot pies and paint. Miller glanced at the large landscape portrait of the town that was hanging above his couch, next to the polished skull of what looked like a large crocodile creature he shot on day two of being here, after it had wandered into the camp and tried to attack one of the human settlers. Literally moments after it was dead, it got pounced on by a group of Yajuto who insisted on carting it off for trophy preparation. Hours later, he had a polished and skinned skull, a necklace made of claws, and a coat, boots, all made of scales. These guys really did like to celebrate their kills. Well, all except for Hachak, anyway. She'd truly rejected violence, which was only slightly rarer than finding rocking horse shit in the middle of a pot of gold you found at the end of a rainbow after you punched the fuck out of the leprechaun guarding it. She was strange as Yujuta went, but not a bad strange. She was a supremely gentle soul, and after everyone had seen it, She'd been unanimously accepted. Now she was becoming a rather talented artist, whose work was pretty sought after by pretty much everyone here. It seemed that all the humans wanted to possess an original Hachak painting, while the Yujuta wanted her to decorate or paint their trophies with hunting or battle scenes. It still amazed him how creative they actually were as a species. Even though at first glance their entire culture seemed to be based off or truly surrounding by death, hunting or killing, there was a hell of a lot more to it when you really took a look. Suddenly Miller remembered something. Ooh, hold on, I got something for you, he said, jumping up and startling the soft-spoken huntress who stared at him with wide eyes, which, like all of her kind, looked too small for her head but made up for it by the vividity of their bright colours. Hers more so, a product of being a dream warrior, which, according to Jack, probably explained why his eyes could either make you feel like you were happier than you'd ever been or scare the living hell out of you with just nothing but a single glance. She sort of had it about her too. It was kind of hard to explain, a sort of presence, really, that you rather felt rather than saw. He still didn't really understand this dream warrior stuff, despite Jack's many attempts to explain it all to him. All he knew was the things they could do scared the living shit out of him and amazed him all at the same time. She turned her head and her long preds rustled as she watched him curiously. He opened a cupboard behind his bed and reached in and struggled to remove a large object, which as soon as she saw it, her Jack's mandibles flared and fell open. Word got to me that you broke your easel, so I thought I'd make you a new one. I use some of that iron wood that Jack likes to reinforce his to bread frames with. Says it's really strong, but also flexible. Says it's his to proof, whatever that means. But I figured if it works for your beds, then it should work for a new easel, right? He said, setting it upright in front of her. 
so he could show off the inbuilt mixing palette and paint holders, not to mention the brush holders and carving of a forest scene that he'd done into the back plate. You'd figure that she'd like that better than a hunting scene motif. Oh, my pyre. It, it's, it's beautiful, Miller. I, I can't accept this. The amount of time and work that you must have taken to create this, it's a work of art, she exclaimed looking at it, and Miller simply smiled at her. Well, I don't know anyone else would get any use out of it, Jack. You're the only artist I know. And how many times do I have to tell you? Call me Frank, he said with a grin. The Jack's mandibles clicked together and she inspected it closely. It's beautiful, Mel. Uh, I mean Frank. And I disagree. This is a work of art. I, she began, but Miller held up a hand to cut her off. Gift, her Jack. Gift. No worry about reimbursement. I did it because I wanted to cheer you up. I know what painting means to you. Hell, everyone else around here as well. I don't know a single house around here that doesn't have at least one of your paintings in it, or a painted skull, or both. Not going to take no for an answer here. Consider it a preemptive thank you for the pot pie, then, Miller said, smiling. Her Jack looked both happy and conflicted at the same time. Suddenly, out of nowhere, her Jack threw her huge arms around him and hoisted him off his feet, leaving his feet dangling in the air, with his arms pinned to his sides and squeezing the air from his lungs. Thank you, Frank, she exclaimed excitedly. Welcome, he wheezed, and her Jack seemed to realise that she was crushing him and put him down quickly, looking distraught. Sorry, sorry, I keep forgetting how fragile humans are. I didn't hurt you, did I? She asked, panicking and examining him. I'm fine, we're not that fragile. He laughed, lifting his arms up and doing a twirl in front of her to demonstrate his point. Her eyes wandered over him and she tilted her big head, causing her dreads to swish and bunch up on one side. I want to paint you, she suddenly blurted out, and now it was Miller's turn for his mouth to fall open. Well, uh, um, that's the first time anyone's ever asked me that before, so that's certainly a new one. Well, I'm flattered, but I'm not exactly photogenic, so, um, well... Miller said until Jack held up her large hand to cut him off now. To quote you, not going to take an ans- no for an answer, Frank, she said, but a bit of mirth and defiance in her voice, and now Miller laughed, causing her to raise her brow. I see ticks, how to use you to lessons, seem to be paying off. You're getting more assertive, Miller said with a smile. He'd been friends with her since they'd come here. And when they'd first got here, she was utterly terrified of everyone and everything. It had taken both Jack and Tick to take her under their wings and pry her out of her shell she'd very, that she'd very pr- firmly planted herself into. But, fortunately, it appeared to have worked. Granted, the process had been slow, as had been the progress, but it had obviously helped. If someone had said to her no months ago, she would have squeaked and vanished faster than a fart in a hurricane. But now she was standing her ground. She clicked her mandibles as a sign of victory. Well then, when you put it like that, I guess I have no choice now, do I? He said, and she smiled brightly, drawing her mandibles right up and shaking her head, making her dread shake. Nope, she said, grinning. Miller simply laughed and shook his head. He knew better than arguing with a woman, especially when that woman weighed a few hundred pounds more than he did and had nearly two foot of height on him. All right, then. When do you want to do this? He said, and before he knew it, a coat was being handed to him and he looked confused. No time like the present. Come on, I feel inspired, she said, grabbing her new easel in one massive arm and him in the other. Hey, wait, what? He exclaimed before being steered right out of his front door, carrying his coat in his arms, and the coat forced him to put the heavy fur coat on quickly. Jack's house was on the outskirts of the growing little town. It was in an area both fringed by the forest and the plains themselves, in a kind of high ground, so it had a kind of best of all three worlds, really. Above her was the beginnings of the mountains, before were the rolling plains, and behind her were the dense forestry, and her smack in the middle of it, right in her cosy little home. There were a few people that were braving the snow, which, given that Ijuta hated the cold, was actually kind of brave. But given that the world was usually pretty warm, and pretty humid most of the year round, 
It was more than just a, it was just a little annoyance to them, really. They were very adaptable and very stubborn people, especially when it came to showing any form of weakness. Miller noticed that he was getting some grins from some of the humans he passed as he noticed that some of the Yejuta actually looked envious. This world really seemed to have become an interspecies love fest. In fact, he'd been fending off over-amorous Yejuta since he'd actually got here, and the Yejuta girls weren't exactly shy about what they wanted. Granted, he'd known plenty of sexually aggressive girls in his time, what with having been in the military and all, but... Yejuta really took that to a whole new level. And once you've seen a rather confused-looking Ooman boy being carried away over the shoulder of a huge Amazonian-looking woman, you kind of started to realise that. Well, at least Hachak was doing that. Even if it was dragging along through the snow by his hand like a child, it crunched and cracked underfoot while he sunk up to his knees in it. She barely looked like it worried her at all. Finally, they reached her house, and she nearly dragged him inside. He couldn't remember ever seeing her this excited by anything before. Did painting him really mean that much to her? Jack steered him into his house. Basically, it looked like one big art studio. She'd really embraced art of all kinds. She did painting, sketching, sculpting, just to mention a few. There were a few little polished stone yajutas, in heroic poses holding the skulls of their enemy aloft and holding weapons in some variety and some part of Miller felt kind of sorry for her when he saw that. He kind of felt a longing in her. It was like she was trying to capture a part of her cultural heritage all for herself. Like she was trying to prove to herself that she was just as Yejuta as anyone else was here. Like because she couldn't find these Im- she could find these images in her mind's eye that it meant that her heart was still Yejuta at its core. But Miller also noticed something else as well. There, like a battle line drawn. On one side, there were pictures of supreme beauty, nature scenes, beautiful landscapes, like the waterfalls in deep in the forest, or the plains covered in greens and golds with little herds grazing on them. But then there was the other side, darkness and death. There were scenes obviously from her past locked away in her mind and now brought back to life on canvas. The big Yejuta girl shut the door to her little home before immediately getting a fire going and stacking it high so that her home would be warm. The pair shrugged out of their coats and her jack set down her prize new easel in the centre of the room where she quickly covered it in sheets and paints and pots and mixers. In fact... It was a jack herself that discovered what plants and animal fats could be used to mix into what paints and dyes. In the centre of a large table was a bear skull. It appeared to be in the process of being polished and lacquered because it had been painted into a beautiful nightscape with a huge moon having been painted right in the centre of the cranium and it was surrounded by little twinkling stars. It was truly odd how she could turn something so grim into something so completely beautiful. Wow, look at this place. It's like a miniature art gallery in here, Miller said, looking around at all the completed works ready to go to their new owners. Since they really didn't use currency yet, everything was dealt with with via services, goods or barter. So extra food from hunts and skins to make bedcloths, or other things or ready-made ones. But there were two that really stood out for him. They were both both the same people, one of Jack and Tick and their children. The four were stood together like conquering heroes standing victorious on a battlefield of their slain enemies, saving everyone. The other was of Jack and Tick together, simple lovers. Jack was sat in front of Tick with her arms wrapped around him from, from behind one of her big hands turning his head and pulling him into a possessive and loving kiss, with her mandibles holding his face steady. She'd really captured the pair of them perfectly. The love just radiated off the pair of them. Thank you, but I just paint what I see, and I guess thanks to these abilities of mine, I guess maybe see more than most, or maybe I just see them differently. She said, smiling as she rushed about pulling paints and custom-made brushes and placing them into their proper place on her prize new easel. So, what do I have to do 
I mean, how do you want me? He asked, and she actually seemed to jump and stiffen before whirling around to look at him, before she seemed to realise what he was talking about, the posing for a painting, which made him wonder what she'd actually thought he'd been talking about. She seemed to relax when she saw him gesturing to the couch that was covered in soft skins and furs. She suddenly looked very thoughtful and nervous all at once, and she was wringing her huge hands together. I, um, really want, um, to try a type of painting, an art that our patriarch showed me on the woman database, but I, um, never found anyone that wished to try it with before. But I am um, wish to do it with you, she asked softly. Miller cocked his head curiously. Human database? There's a human database now? he asked, and she nodded her head enthusiastically. It contains all sorts of collected data and observations on your species throughout history. My kind studied yours extensively, though primarily for the purpose of hunting and killing them. But the data is very thorough and a couple of them really seemed fascinated by human art, so they collected vast amounts of examples. I've used a lot of them in my art, but there is one type I've never managed to explore, and I'd really like to, but only with the right person. And I um, feel that you are the right person for this, Miller. I mean, um, Frank. You've always been so kind and nice to me, despite the fact that I really don't deserve it, especially given what I did to you. She said, rubbing her big hands together nervously and looking away. Miller reached out and took her huge hands in his, making her flinch at his touch. But he held firm and looked up at the surprisingly nervous and adorable Yejuta woman. I don't blame you, Jack. I saw what you went through, what was done to you, and the pain that you suffered. Hell, it's still lodged in there among my nightmares. It wasn't your fault, Jack. You were just lonely and scared. You didn't understand what you are. And Loki took advantage of that and turned it on you. You weren't at fault. I don't blame you at all, Hajak. Otherwise I wouldn't be in here talking to you, now would I? Let alone letting you paint me, he said. Then he remembered something that Jack could do. And tightened his grip on the big woman's hands and she looked at him quizzically. Use those dream warrior things of yours. Go on, take a look. Prove it to yourself, he said, and she clicked her mandibles and her eyes seemed to glow, and he swore that he could feel her in his head. Her eyes widened and her mandibles clicked like she'd just seen or discovered something that truly amazed her. See? No blame here, right? He said, and she shook her head. No, no blame, she said softly, and he smiled and patted her large hands. She truly was adorable. You could probably travel a billion light years in every direction and never find another like her. Hell, when you really looked at her, she was actually rather pretty in an unusual kind of way. Her body was incredible. Even under all her conservative furs, she still was like an Amazon, curves in all the right areas and places. In fact, even her face, which was so totally alien, was so expressive and feminine. He actually found himself kind of liking the way her mandible seemed to relay her thought pattern. Almost like human body language. But, well, Yejuta body language, really. That's when he looked up and saw her eyes had gone huge like dinner plates. And he realised she was still inside his mind. And he also realised she'd probably just heard all of that. He let go of her hands as he blushed, feeling his face go hot enough to cook bacon on and he coughed and reached behind his head looking anywhere but at her. Ahem, well, er, uh, yes. Like I said, no blame. And I trust you completely. And, to prove it, paint me however you want. Whatever this new painting method is you want to test, I'll let you do it. As a show of trust and good faith. Hell, even if you make me look like a Picasso cube, he said, trying to use humour to deflect his feelings. And the Jack suddenly looked even more excited, and for some very reason very nervous. The way she clicked her mandibles and wrung her hands gave that away. Perhaps she was worried about messing up and appearing foolish in front of him? The Jack finished setting up the easel, and by the way she was facing it, 
seemed to be facing her fur-covered couch, which he had carved for himself. One of these Utah males, called Temlin, was apparently very good as a tanner, and had lined them with very soft f- furs and leathers, made from the skin of one of the grazing animals. It was very soft, and it made a very nice cushion when covered with fur drapes and throws, kind of like her jacket covered hers with. Once she'd set a new canvas on her brand new easel, a jack stepped back and nodded her big head. Then she walked over and threw more wood into a big fire which warmed the room even more. The Yuzhuta really did like it warm. Miller figured that winter must be a bloody nightmare for them. Then she closed the inner shutters on the inside of her windows and locked the cabin door, making sure that her lamps were all lit, filling the house with a warm, soft glow. Okay, now that no one can walk in, um, you can disrobe now. She said, and Miller froze. Not quite sure he'd heard her right. Uh, um, dis, disrobe, he stammered, and Shaq nodded, lifting a couple of glass jars with water. She actually seemed to be twirling a brush in her mandibles as she applied water and mixed paints. Like, um, how far, exactly? My shirt? Down to my underwear? Are you going to dress me up in something for this? He asked, slightly nervous now. No, um, naked, she said, never taking her eyes off the paint she was mixing. Naked? You, um, want me to get naked? He stammered and she nodded. Yes, it's a fascinating and beautiful art type that never occurred to me before. I saw lots of examples where human males like to paint many naked females of your species. Now I've seen a few examples of the reverse but nowhere near as many as examples. Once I saw that I thought it was one of the most beautiful things I'd ever seen. So full of passion and beauty, not to mention thinly veiled sexuality. I thought it was truly beautiful, and humans are such odd but beautiful creatures that I always hoped to find someone who would let me paint them like this, to let me see their hidden beauty and try and capture it, to let me see their masculinity as it truly is, and their sexuality, and to try and put it on canvas. I am actually really hoped that you'd be my model. So, would you? She said, trying to sound calm as as she could hear her voice going husky and nervous intermittently as she spoke. You did? You were hoping that I'd new model for you? He said, and a jack met his eye only for a moment, before looking nervously away and nodding. You were a prime specimen of human masculinity. You are rugged and have many scars denouncing you have induced many great battles and emerged victorious. But unlike many human males, you do not hide them. You wear them proudly. To Yejuta, this means a lot. You intrigued me, and I want to try and capture it, to see the real hidden beauty, to try and put it on canvas for the whole world to see. She said, sounding proud towards the end. Um, okay, I know I promised I'd let you paint me. However, I'm making a revision here. I'll let you do this on one condition. That this painting is only seen by you and me and no one else. I really don't want to be put on display, if you don't mind, he said. The Jack looked kind of confused and nodded. Okay. I agree. But may I ask why? Are you ashamed of your body or something? She asked curiously and he shook his head. No, I just don't want everybody to know, you know, see me naked. Humans are very kind of private beings. And I, yes, I know what you're going to say. There are already paintings like this and obviously there are exceptions to the rule. But I happen to be one of the privacy-liking humans. So... Me and you and no one else, please, if you don't mind, he said, and Jack nodded in agreement. Thanks, he said, and with that he took a deep breath to calm his nerves and began to strip down. Miller was nervous as all hell as he stripped down to his bare skin in this little log cabin owned by this giant, gentle Yejuta woman. Normally he really wasn't all that nervous to be naked in front of a woman. He wasn't exactly ashamed of his body. 
but with her it was just different. Maybe he was used to being the one, the big one in the in a relationship. A Jack, as gentle in nature as she was, could crush him flat just by falling on him. Well, I'm I'm ready, I guess, he said, and the Jack turned and froze solid as a statue. He immediately saw her bright eyes dilate wide like moons in her head as they scanned down his body. He saw her long, thin tongue play over her spiky teeth. Oh, wow, she breathed softly, and that sent a warm flush throughout his entire body, including a part of him that was kind of trying to keep hidden below his hands right now. So, um, how do you want me? He asked, trying to break the tension and to try and steady his pulsing and jangling nerves. He'd gone into battles all over Earth, and for some reason right now he felt more nervous than setting foot on any one of those battlefields that ever made him. A jack seemed to snap out of it, a teeth-licking trance. Oh, yes, right, of course, she exclaimed, and she gestured him over to the couch, and he sat down. Um, lie down and place your arms above your head, please, she said, and Miller swallowed hard. Uh, above my head, he stammered, and she nodded. He sighed heavily and feeling truly exposed and supremely vulnerable. He did as she asked, leaving his entire scarred and marked body exposed to her. And he actually shivered as he saw her running her eyes over him. Like this? he asked, placing his hands above his head. Um, may I? she asked, stepping up to him, and his heart began to race hard in his chest. He was willing to bet that if he looked down, he'd see his chest jumping like a hammer was striking it repeatedly. He nodded silently, and her jack knelt down next to the couch, and after taking a deep breath, she reached out and placed her hands on him. Her skin was was rough, but not painfully so. It was like soft sandpaper, and she ran her hands over his belly and chest. You're trembling. Are you frightened? Do I scare you? She asked softly, her hands freezing in place upon his chest. She could undoubtedly feel his heart hammering away underneath his, underneath his ribs. But he suddenly realised that he heard a note of what sounded like hurt in her voice, and that made him feel awful. It's not you, Jack. Not you at all. It's just I feel, um, inferior he said before he could stop himself. It was like the words just tumbled out of him and she cocked her head and suddenly her eyes glowed and the words just flowed out of him like water. It was like a warm ribbon wormed its way into his mind. I'm worried you won't be impressed by me. You to males are so much bigger than me. Why would you ever look at someone like me and think of me as anything other than a weak small prey creature? Even if you do think I'm pretty... Is it the way the person thinks their pet is pretty? He said, and suddenly the warm ribbon vanished, and he shook his head and looked in her amazement. Well, what did you do to me? He stammered, and she shook her head. I let you say what you wanted to say. Nothing more, I swear. And for the record, I do think you are very pretty as a male. And while we're on the topic, woman males are not smaller than Yejuta males in every area. In fact, in one specific one, you are quite often bigger, like you, for example, she said softly, and his head snapped down to look at her in surprise. Really? he exclaimed, and she nodded. Besides, do you really think that size is a problem? Do you think Tick Ellith worries about size when she stands up in the middle of a dinner and proudly declares that she's going to ravish her male, scoops him up, runs off with him over her shoulder? She asked, and Miller suddenly burst out laughing as he remembered the last time that she'd done that. That girl really was far from shy as you could possibly get. Though at least she had the good taste to take him to bed first. I guess not, he said, and Jack smiled. And do you think that the Umans who are happily allowing Yujuta to take them as their life mates are worried about their size as an issue when they see the effort that those hunting them are going to for them? She said, and hit him kind of hard like a slap, that. No, you're right. Thanks, Jack. That really is actually quite illuminating. And I feel a lot better. Thank you, he said, and she smiled brightly. You are most welcome, Miller. 
she said happily. So, are you ready to paint me like one of your French girls? Miller joked nervously and she looked confused as he just laughed. Don't worry, it's an old man thing, he said and with that she placed her hands back on his body. But this time the trembles were replaced with warm, beautiful shivers as he allowed her to arrange his limbs and his body into a pose that she wanted him to hold for her. The feel of those beautiful, powerful hands gliding over his skin was truly incredible. It was like nothing he'd ever felt in his life before. I knew you'd be the perfect model. You're perfect, Jack said, looking very happy. Miller didn't break the prose that she'd arranged him into. Really? You think I'm perfect? He said in surprise, and she looked momentarily embarrassed, but owned it and nodded. You are a very beautiful specimen of woman masculinity. Your musculature is sculpted beautifully in a way that was wonderful, way that make that males have flat and toned, like it was carved or sculpted rather than grown. Plus the way your skin is so smooth and soft while your muscle is so hard and resisting. Plus all the beautiful scars that show your strength and resilience marking you as a seasoned warrior. It's such a beautiful contrast. A contrast that you only truly find in you humans, she said. Oh, I disagree. Just look at you, for example, he said, and she glanced around her canvas at him. Me? What about me? She asked. Well, most Yejuta are scary as hell. But you aren't. Yes, you're powerful and strong and incredible. You look like a freaking real-life walking-talking Amazon, right out of human mythology. But you're the softest, gentlest, nicest Yejuta, hell, person that I've ever met. You're a beautiful contrast yourself. You look like you could snap me in half without being able to do all that dream warrior stuff that you and Jack can do. But you're just so nice, gentle, kind, a wonderful person who likes making people happy. And that's a truly rare and wonderful thing, Jack. Miller said, smiling at her, and even hiding behind the canvas he saw her blush. Miller felt a mixture of emotions flowing through him as he lay on her Jack's couch in such a provocative pose. So fully and truly exposed and vulnerable. Naked as the day he was born, with an alien female's eyes roaming over him and admiring him. It was felt so strange but so wonderful to be blatantly admired in such an intimate detail. Especially by a being so completely different to him. They spent hours with him laid there naked and a jack beavering away diligently at her canvas, only pausing every so often to put more wood on the fire to keep them both warm. But eventually she sat back on her stool and sighed happily. He glanced at her and noticed that her face had a few smudges of paint that really stood out against her pretty hide. I'm done, she said, looking anxious. Miller's muscles felt like they'd all gone to sleep. He'd been holding the same pose for so long, but he stiffly got out to his feet and stretched out. He noticed her looking at him, but somehow, despite the fact that he was still naked, it didn't really bother him now. Probably just because he'd better spent the best part of a day doing just that. He stepped around her to look at her work, and what he saw left him speechless. Wow, is this how you see me? He breathed, turning to look at her, and she looked down and shyly nodded. Do you like it? She asked nervously. Miller just couldn't help himself. She looked so nerveless and hopeful. Out of nowhere he reached up and placed a hand on the side of her big face. It's truly beautiful. Just like its creator, he said. And her face turned to one of surprise. You, you really think I'm beautiful? She exclaimed, flaring her mandibles out in shock. Well, let's just say most people would have had a rather difficult time persuading me to get my kit off and lie on their couch for a few hours, as naked as the day I was born, looking like I was in a French bordello. But you managed it, and that's got to say something, right? He said. The Jack looked at him in shock, and her mandibles flared again, and her eyes widened. Truly? You think it's beautiful? She exclaimed. Then her mind seemed to click onto truly what he just said. Wait, you called me beautiful, she exclaimed, and he laughed and nodded. Yeah, I know. Trust me, it surprised me as much as it does you. 
after all I've been put through by your kind. I never thought in a million years that I'd ever ever look at one of your kind the way I look at you, Hachak. But you are a kind, gentle, beautiful, incredible woman who's thoroughly deserving of someone to love them and to make them happy. I've spent the last couple of hours feeling your eyes on me and I've realised something. You like what you see when you look at me, don't you? He said and Jack looked both embarrassed and surprised. She nodded gently and looked down at him. Well, you're not the only one who's been looking and realised that as different as the other is, you like what you see. It's time for you for me to put my bias aside and to truly see you for who you are. I've realised is you're more beautiful than any woman I've ever seen before, human or otherwise, and not just on the inside, but on the outside too. You're what we humans call sexy, he said with a devilish smile. The Jack now looked truly stunned, but also hopeful. T- truly? You think I'm sexy? She stammered in shock. In my culture, we have a saying that actions speak louder than words. Miller said, and before the big female could make any kind of response, he reached up and gripped her dreads in both of his hands, and before he even could realise that there was a pulse ebbing very quickly through them, he pulled her down to his height and took advantage of the fact that her mandibles flared in surprise to plant a kiss firmly on her inner mouth. The huge female froze solid before turning into a living puddle of yajuta-shaped mushy jelly. Miller simply held her head in his hands as his tongue darted into her mouth and his senses were insulted with a blend of alien newness. Her taste, her feel, her smell, everything was truly new and alien and beautiful. When they parted, she stood there breathless and stunned. So, what do you think of your first ooman? Whoa! Miller said before being cut off, with his head being seized in huge clawed hands and a pair of mandibles, while a long tongue wound its way halfway down his throat. Mm-mm. Miller moaned softly as a long tongue tasted every single tooth in his head, and his hands and mandibles held him in check. Her hands left his head and moved to his chest, sliding over his skin, trailing tingles in her wake where her blunt claws marked him with little red trails. They slid right down to his hips and lifted him up into the air holding him at her height now and pulling him into the deepest kiss of his life. It was like he'd unlocked something in her. All that passion bottled up in that beautiful wounded soul just came flooding out like someone popped the cork of a champagne bottle. She walked through the length of the room, carrying him in her hands, like she was moving a box or a life-size doll or something. When she reached her bed, she practically fell on him, though thankfully she didn't or she might have just squashed him flat. Instead, as he landed flat on his back, she landed above him with both her knees on either side of his hips and her hands on either side of his head. For the first time since she'd been free, he saw a predatory look in her eyes, and she growled deeply before his hands found the dreads that flopped down around him like a load of little rubbery snakes. Little did he know how sensitive the things were, so when he gripped them to pull her down into another kiss, a purr exploded out of her that morphed into a growl, before turning back into a purr again as he nibbled on one of her mandibles and letting his human tongue run over one of her tusks. I've never done anything like this, but I can't stop myself. I've never imagined being with an old man, let alone with one that would actually look at me. But ever since I've met you, I couldn't stop myself looking at you. Your exquisite pink skin that changes colour depending on your mood. The way your green eyes sparkle like emeralds in your head. The way you smile. But I never imagined a warrior like you could look at a poor excuse for a female like me. I'm not a warrior. I'm not a huntress. I have no trophies of my own or no wall of accomplishments to chronicle my triumphs or victories. Who would want me? But you don't think like that, do you? she said, and he nibbled on her tusks again, and then on one of her dreads, sending a flurry of tingles through them. The purr escalated as the sensation travelled like lightning up the sensitive nerves. I don't need all of those things, Hachak. 
All I need is a beautiful woman I can lavish my love on. I've seen war. I've seen battle and hunts. And now I know what I want. I want beauty. I want joy. I want peace. I want to be happy. And I want to have someone I can make happy. And I know in my heart that that woman is you, my sexy Amazonian artist. He said, and her purr grew louder and louder. There was just something incredible about how you to females purred. It was so low that it seemed to vibrate through his very bones, sending shivers and tingles chasing one another throughout his entire body, before they seemed to unite in the centre of his chest and overloading his nervous system. His whole body went stiff and limp all at once. He'd never felt anything like it in his life before. No human female could have ever made him feel like this. And they hadn't done a single thing other than kiss and flop on the bed yet. A jack was straddling him, and she lowered some of her weight down onto him to pin him to the bed. She pressed his shoulders into the soft fur and enveloped his entire face in her mandibles, sending her tongue questing into his mouth and throat again, making his head feel fuzzy as his sparks, senses sparked like broken wires. I want you more than anything I've ever wanted in my life. You're like a force that I cannot understand and don't truly want to either. You pull me to you like a magnet, and I can't and don't want to resist you. Please, 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 I beg of you, beautiful Uman. Let me have you. Let me taste your beauty and your passion. She growled softly in his ear, and Miller felt a thrill pass through him like electrical fire. I'm already yours, Jack. All you need to do is reach out and take what's already offered to you freely, he said softly, nibbling on her mandibles one after the other. She growled so deeply that it sounded like a tigress in heat. His hands lifted up from the bed and slipped under her clothes, running over her belly and making her purr. Suddenly a jack in a fit of unbridled partial and literally tore her clothing off, every single inch and every single stitch gone in less than ten seconds and what he saw lit his very heart on fire. She climbed onto the bed again on all fours, at the edge and slowly, very, very sensually, began to crawl towards him on her hands and knees. She was truly exquisite, like a living, breathing goddess, crawling over the bed towards him, exuding the confidence and predatory confidence of an apex predator that her species was. And the look in her eyes was one of a tigress, it gave a succulent gazelle a look and less than a second later she showed the hidden part of her nature when she pounced forward, pinning him to the bed under the bulk of solid muscle. And right before his eyes were a pair of huge breasts, nearly the size of his head, but covered in beautiful swirls. But Miller wasn't content to lay there and be the prey. Just like the mouse that suddenly got cornered by a cat, he fought back and he grabbed one of those huge breasts and sank his fingers into her flesh, pulled it forwards, and latched his mouth onto the huge, dark, large nipple that hung from it. A jack let out a squeal, a purr, and a growl all rolled into one. It was the cutest noise that Miller had ever heard in his life, and it came from such a wonderful creature. Oh, by the end of this night, he was going to be making her make a lot more noises just like that one. He wanted to bathe this incredible female in pure love and passion, to flood her heart with pure love and to mend her broken soul with his. Her whole body trembled, and for a moment she lost focus, and he seized that moment to flip her over by sweeping her knees and flipping her onto her back. She looked up at him in surprise, and Miller launched forward and began nipping her neck and shoulder, causing her to gasp and moan. A jack howled. Without even thinking about it, Miller sank his teeth into her shoulder and his blood hit it. her blood hit his teeth. He had no idea what was happening, but it was like something primal had seized control of his brain. A sharp pain pierced his brain and overloaded his senses, and he realised that she too had sunk her mandibles and teeth into his shoulder to match his mark, the pair of them marking one another. He tasted her blood and she tasted his. It sent a flash of pure adrenaline throughout his body as the primal part of his brain seized full control of him again. It made him want to ravish her with all of his might, 
to make a roar and howl with pleasure. Miller grabbled, grabbed handfuls of flesh, and the roughness of her sweet, dampened skin made him growl as he began to plant kisses all over her hide, making her gasp and growl as he moved down onto her huge, quivering chest, feeling the trembles passing through her flesh. Her nipples were standing proudly erect on her heaving chest, and like a hungry baby he latched on right onto one, and it nearly filled his mouth, swirling his tongue all over the burning, hot, sensitive, fl fleshy nub. After spending a few minutes driving her chak crazy by working her nipples, until they were so hard they looked like they were missiles ready to launch off her chest, he began working lower. He lifted up her huge breast and kissed under them, working down her chiselled abs. It was amazing to him that every single yujuta looked like they were chiselled from pure marble, like they were Greek gods or statues or something. He ran his tongue over her chiselled abs, leaving glistening trails of saliva over her stomach, and as he looked up he could see her mandibles flaring in pleasure as he raked his teeth over her exposed flesh. He moved lower and lower, moving across her wide pelvis. One thing he took great care to do was kiss plant long loving kisses on each of her scars, running his tongue over the puckered and smooth flesh to let her know that they were as beautiful to him as the rest of her, and by the purrs escaping her she definitely appreciated the sentiment, even more so when he found a rather long one right there on the trunk-like thigh. Even though his primal brain was totally in control, his love of teasing somehow managed to worm its way into his mind. He moved down her long legs to her huge feet, lifting each of them up to run his thumbs up the soles of her feet, causing her to roar in surprise and pleasure before he couldn't take it any more. Then he moved his way back up, parting her huge thighs as he went. Now he realised he was getting his first glimpse of her womanhood. It was a rich green colour and it glistened with the dew of her arousal that was dripping out of her. Very tenderly, Miller ran his fingers over the large swollen lips, making her snowl and growl as he, and thrust her womanhood at him, obviously aching for his touch. He teased his fingers over the incredibly soft rubber-like flesh. A dew clung to his fingers and instinctively he lifted them to his mouth and tasted them. It was like fresh berries. He couldn't wait to taste her properly. He plunged his face between her huge thighs and ran his tongue right up between her ultra-sensitive lips and over her labia, testing fresh berries sparkling all over his tongue. The roar that her jack gave off was incredible. "'What are you doing to me, beautiful woman?' she roared, but rather than answer her, he placed his mouth so that his lips latched to hers and ran his tongue all over her until he was able to dig a clitoris out from under its fleshy hood. A jack just exploded in pure joy and pleasure. Under his delightful torment, a jack didn't last long at all. She was thrashing around and he was having to cling on to her thighs to hold on. And he had to change his angle somewhat to ensure that she didn't crush him between her as her very first orgasm tore through her like a nuclear explosion going off in her belly. As Miller crawled up her huge body and looked right into her face, what he saw was utterly uncoordinated and lost in her own mind. Her eyes were trying to focus on him. What, what did you do to me, my male? She panted heavily. Human love, my Amazonian artist, he purred softly, leaning into the kiss she was aching for by the way her mandibles were straining out towards him, trying to reach him. They clamped on his head, and his her tongue invaded his mouth and with a single move she flipped him onto his back. Well then, it's time for you to show for me to show you my love now, my woman. You have hunted my heart and caught it, and now I show you that heart in its purity. She growled as she pinned him down to the bed by the hips and by the shoulders. With a single hand she reached under herself and found his aching, throbbing manhood which seemed to have managed to draw every single spare drop of blood from his body and captured it. It was straining and pulsing like it was desperately trying to tear itself from his body and make its way towards hers, and it's towards its natural home, 
like a snake desperately seeking shelter from the cold of the desert night in its tight, warm burrow. His sensitive glands brushed her soaking wet lips which kissed it and sent a flurry of tingle throughout his whole body. And in one slick movement, a chack found her entrance and sank his entire length into her depths. And Miller's mind turned to absolute mush. Her internal muscles were just as powerful as external ones. It was like having your manhood dipped into hot liquid silk or sealed inside a fleshy vice. Holy shit! Oh, God, wow! Miller roared as the shark's insides gripped him, rippling all the way along his shaft and caressing his tip. Above him, a shark threw her head back and roared in pleasure, making her insides tighten up again into an tight, possibly tight level. Jack began to move, raising her hips up and down, milking his hot shaft with her hot, impossibly soft yujuta womanhood. She screamed in ecstasy, the top of his shaft dragged along her clit now, scraping her flesh against his. He gripped her hips and began to thrust into her, matching her pace perfectly, and she released him and he sat upright and threw his arms around her core gripping her and digging his fingers into her flesh and hanging on as the pair moved together in perfect synchros. The gasps and moans filling the air along with the wet slaps of their flesh mating over and over again, each of them totally lost in the other. And that's when it happened. He suddenly felt a chack in his mind, and his mind was filled with an utterly alien pleasure. He felt everything she felt, and she felt everything he was feeling. The pair of them were melding into one. They swirled together into a being of pure joy and ecstasy. They could feel each other's love and pleasure swirling together until there was one gigantic explosion of pure joy that like fire made out of entirely out of pleasure that consumed the pair of them from within. It took two hours for them to both come around from the mutual orgasm that was so powerful it knocked them both out. When he finally woke up, Miller found himself now laid atop of her body, with her huge arms wrapped around him tightly, and she was purring deeply in her sleep and smiling, which he found infecting him, and he laid his head back down on the most perfect pillows that anyone had ever created, feeling her jacks shift under him and her grip tighten on him slightly. He'd never felt like this in his life. He'd never imagined a love like this, so pure, so intense and so wild, but at the same time so tender. The soulmate he'd searched a lifetime for had been waiting for him there among the stars. Now here she was, laid purring contentedly underneath him, as sleep reached back in and dragged him back into its warm embrace. This night was the greatest in his life and the beginning of a life filled with joy and happiness for both of them. A Jack claimed her soulmate, and Miller claimed his. When Jack and Tick formed the Guardian Corps finally, Miller claimed his place training the next generation to defend their way of life, with his, while his wife captured that life in oil, graphite and watercolours. Their 30-odd children were captured on canvas as well, which decorated their home. It was amazing how the how they split so well. Half of them became soldiers like their father, joining the Guardians in a whole number of roles, everything from seekers to hunters to even saviors. They even contributed two new dream warriors to the Seeker Corps. One of which came on went on to become a tamer, and another a soul knight, while the other half became artists of all kinds. Some were painters, some sculptors, even writers and storytellers. It was said that your home wasn't complete unless you had one piece of art. Their two eldest daughters even designed statues that were standing in the gardens of Jackson Tick's home. They depicted the unity of all races coming together in perfect unity and harmony all of them standing in a circle, placing their hands together to hold a planet upright, protecting it. They made a very similar and much bigger one to stand at the very centre of the blossoming city. 
Frank lived for four hundred blissful years. He took great pride in seeing the many guardians that passed through under his command and his training, and they went on to become proud warriors and guardians of their home world, of their very way of life. Then, when the day came for him to leave those he loved behind, surrounded by the ones he most beloved, he looked back at the long life he'd lived alongside the most truly incredible woman, who was now sat at his side, holding his old wrinkled hand in hers. Even as he'd aged and gone grey, those eyes that burned forever bright with love and passion never dimmed, even for a second. Even now as she looked at him, the light shone like the sun behind them. Don't fear, my beloved one. I know you're frightened, but you don't need to be. You're going on to the eternal hunt, to take your place at Pius' side, and she will welcome you with open arms for loving one of her daughters, and for raising all of these wonderful cubs, who do us both so proud. Living jewels showing the joy and love and pride of both Yujuta and Uman. When the day comes for me to stand back before her, I will hold my head up high and proud, knowing that we leave behind these wonderful cubs to carry on our love into the future. So stand tall and proud, my love, she said softly, but he could still see and feel her sadness in every word. But given that she was a dream warrior herself, when Pia finally came to collect his soul, she saw them both standing, and a chuck fell to her knee and bowed to her. Please, Lady Pia, take care of my most beloved one. Keep him safe for me, Jack said, and Pia smiled deeply and warmly as she glanced at Miller, who now looked exactly as he did when he was in his prime. Worry not, my beloved daughter. He will be waiting patiently for you to arrive at his side. Until that day happens, he will watch over you and all of his beloved cubs. You have made me proud with the life that I returned to you, she said softly, and with that she took hold of Miller's shoulder after he shared one last loving embrace with his wife, and with that they were both gone. A Jack felt so proud, but so alone, so she did what she always did when her emotions got the best of her. She got out her easel, the one that he had made for her all those years ago, and painted the most beautiful painting she had ever made, one that embodied the entirety of her love for the woman man who had swept her off her feet, captured her heart, who had given her the confidence to be what she was always meant to be, all while standing proudly at her side. A painting that still hung above her, dead, her bed, on the day that she drew her final earthly breath, surrounded by their beloved cubs, and she found herself walking through rolling fields of golden grass, walking towards a small cosy cabin, exactly like the one that they'd spent their first night together in, and there, standing at the open door, waiting for her, was Miller. He'd waited two hundred years for her to join him, so when she lost control and ran straight through the fields and into his waiting arms, clamping her mandibles over his face and drawing him to her deepest kiss, before he took her hand and led her into their little forever home, pulling her straight into their little fur-covered bed. He'd waited two hundred years to touch her again, and so had she. They had a lot of time to make up for. Yeah, so that was chapter three, ladies and gentlemen. As with always with the uh, Chronicles of Clan Mason, there are no mysteries to unravel, no questions to answer. Each one is individually wrapped and gift wrapped just by me for you. So, until next time, this is Ghost Nobody signing off and saying, I hope to see you all next time.